In three, two, one. A piece of hope podcast. Conversations, stories, advice from the autism community for the autism community. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode on Peace of Hope podcast. I'm your host, Emma. I'm Andrew. And this week, we're talking about the life of an RBT. So today we have five separate people that are going to talk about what it's like to be an RBT. It's a party cast. It is. It's probably the biggest crowd we've had so far. Um, But before I was in my administration role, I was an RBT. And then next to me, I have BCBA Jalen Burns. Hi, guys. And then across the table, I have Nicole. And she is an an RBT. And then I have Amber, and she is a BCABA. Hello. And then there's Emma that you all already know and probably love. Hey, guys. Okay, let's start with just telling people what an RBT even is, what that even means. Who wants to answer this question? I'll take it. Ooh. So the RBT is the Registered Behavior Technician. Um, They are in in charge of um, implementing the direct care with your child. So they are doing the behavior plans, they are teaching new skills, and they're doing all the direct care. How do you become an RBT? You take a test. Oh, it's more than that. (laughs) So for Appleseeds, we end up having individuals do like a 40-hour module training online. Which is required by the BACB. And then after that, they start having, like, an opportunity to just observe sessions for, like, a week, um, just part of that training period, just, like, seeing, like, how other RBTs run their sessions. And then they start getting that opportunity to get in the chair. And then with supervision, they're given that feedback as far as, like, oh, you're doing great with this or you need to work on this. And then they do a competency and then they sit and then they take the test. <laughs> so the competency is where the BCBA comes in and observes the RBT working directly with the child. It's kind of a checklist to make sure they know all of the terminology and they're able to implement feedback and they have all their materials and they think that they're ready to take the RBT exam. So the competency, whenever the BCBA is doing it, it looks at skills. So how well are you able to do skill acquisition tasks? How well are you um, able to do behavior reduction, taking data, preference assessments, all that. So there's a multitude of skills that the RBT has to perform. And then the RBT exam. So, Nicole, do you want to tell people a little bit about what that exam looks like? So what the RBT exam looks like basically is all scenarios. So either you know what you're doing or you don't pretty much going in um, because it just gives you like, in this moment, what would you do? It's not really like, I mean, you have to have that book knowledge, but having that experience and like being able to think on your feet, that's really where the test comes in. Um, And also they kind of throw you curveballs and they'll give you a bunch of things that all sound right. But you got to pick, like, the most right one. So I pretty much destroyed, like, everything in the comment section. I was like, this is right, but if you worded it like this, this would be better. Uh, So that's pretty much the RBT test. Basically, the questions are, like, what color is the sky? And your choices are, like, orange, and then there's blue, and then light blue. So it's like, (laughs) there's two that could be right. Yes, there's one that's more right. You know, I also think especially for people at apple seeds like that have asked me going into it 
what do you do to prepare? I think the biggest thing when you're like reading the questions is to think of it in the context of like what you're doing daily with kids. Cause I'm like, if you swap out the question with like a kid you personally work with, it makes it that much easier to like visualize it and realize like, Oh, I already do this during my session during the week. Oh, that's a great tip for test takers. Especially when it comes to like all the ethics questions, because whenever you're doing your competency is mostly performance based. So it's the skills that you are able to perform and the knowledge that you have, but they don't quite cover ethics on the competency assessment. So you really need to make sure that you know the ethics and you know the RBT task list. And a lot of those, you know, situational questions are about ethics and what you should do in those scenarios. Let's jump into the fun stuff. So I have never met anyone that grew up and they knew that they wanted to work in the field of ABA. You've never met anyone who's like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a BCBA. When I grow up, I'm going to be an RBT. Everybody just kind of falls into the field of ABA, and I think that applies to everyone at this table. So how did you guys even find out about the field? So I was when I was in college, I wanted to be elementary education. I wanted to be a therapist or a social worker. Those in my mind were the only three options I had if I wanted to go into the helping professions. Um, And my very last semester of college, I was in like a history of psychology class and I was dozing off and my professor was like, oh, so Lipscomb is getting this new program um, called ABA. Um, And he kind of like described it. And I wasn't really listening until he said, you're working with children with autism, and it's half the amount of schooling as being a therapist. And I was like, oh, <laughs> tell me more. And I still didn't even really know what it was. I still didn't even really knew what it was coming into this job. Like, I knew the textbook-like paragraph of, this is what you do as an ABA therapist. But I had no idea there was RBTs or there were assistants. Like, I thought you just did it all. And so coming in and then having it be described to me, I was like, this is amazing. Why isn't this talked about more, especially in college when you're coming in as a freshman? They're like, you want to help people? This is an option. It's a really good option. I know when I fell into it, well, first of all, I'm so old. When I was attacked, there wasn't a registered behavior technician. They hadn't come out with a credential yet. So way to go on that BACB. I'm really glad they came out with that. But I had an assigned internship. And so I walked in to my interview and there was a child on the ground just screaming, super angry. And I walked in, I was like, oh my goodness, what is happening? What is going on? So the director who I had my interview scheduled with stepped out and she said, that's an attention-seeking behavior. Please don't look at that child and please come straight to the back. And in the back of my head, I was like, what is this place? And I got the internship and I started working there and I was training and within like two weeks, like you don't know what you're doing. It's like a completely different way to basically retrain your brain of how to work with individuals. And but then you start to see the changes that it makes in a child's life and how quickly it makes a change in their life and how they go from not being able to identify their mom to being able to say, I want to go see mommy, I want to go see daddy, asking for things that they need. And so just fell in love with it really, really quickly. I have a 
um, experience very similar to Nicole's where I thought the only option was to be a teacher. And then whenever I realized I didn't want to be a teacher, I was like, okay, now I need to be a speech therapist. Because <laughs> that's all I thought that there was. I didn't know, I didn't even really know about OT. I was just like, speech therapy. That's how you can work one on one with a child with some kind of disability or some kind of impairment. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So I had an um, internship through my human services degree where I went in and I worked with individuals with autism at Apple Seeds and I learned about ABA that way and I just fell in love with it because of the progress that you see and because of the difference that you can make in these children and the families' lives. It was just so empowering and so significant to me so so i had gone to school for human services and counseling and i thought for a while like oh i'm gonna be a family counselor like that's what i want to do and then finish the program and i was like absolutely not not touching that with a 10-foot pole and so i graduated came back home and i was just job hunting for a while and then ended up applying to like a daycare down the road and they were like oh we're only hiring for the nursery and so they um said like we know this place down the road like you've worked with older kids maybe this might be more of an option and then I just went out they sent me over there walked in and they're like oh do you know what ABA is and I'm like nope um have you ever worked with kids with autism nope would you like to do an internship and so I started out as an intern and then just fell in love with the field so my story is a little bit different than probably everybody's but my wife is a bcba so that was how i was introduced to the field in general um i came on just helping out with summer camp and just hanging out with kids and playing with nerf guns and legos all day and i was like wow this is pretty cool this is literally like what every kid dreams of is to get paid to play with nerf guns and legos um and then after that i stayed on and had learned what an rbt was and did that um and i think part of the reason i wanted to transition to like an administration role is because we had done a dad's event and there was only two dads but it was my first interaction with the parents um outside of the clinic of like the kids that i've taught and it was a whole new perspective on like the parents and what they go through and the relationships, you know, that they look for and the support that they look for. So that kind of was, I guess, the short version of my story. So my first day in the field was very interesting. And so I think I'm going to tell my story and then we can go around and tell others. Um, But my first day, I walked in, I hadn't done any of the videos yet, so I was just observing. I didn't know any of the terms. I didn't watch By any. videos, she means the Relias training. I was about to say the okay, training videos. <laughs> the videos where they're like, this is what you do. So I just kind of observed. I sat and I watched someone run their session, and that particular day was pretty difficult for the client. I was observing. There was lots of hitting, lots of scratching, hair pulling um it wasn't as severe as i've seen but on your first day seeing that you're like whoa okay and i just remember i didn't ask any questions i just sat and watched and i was like wow like this is what i got myself into and i also had another thought i was like you cannot walk away from this because how dare you say you have a heart for autism but then be scared of this because my little brother is pretty high-functioning, so I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm getting emotional about it. But he's pretty high-functioning, and so um, my impression of autism is very different than what I've seen since being at Apple Seeds. And so I was like, if you're going to say it, you got to have to do it. So this is what you're in for, and you're just going to have to learn it. And so that's the mindset I had. 
and I just like rose to the occasion from there and I remember I did ask one question which I think is really funny looking back on I was like I noticed you don't talk when this is happening (laughs) and you don't say no I've never heard you say don't do that and they're like well let me tell you about attention seeking (laughs) and so I just kind of learned from there and so does anyone else remember their first days I know mine was pretty recent like I've only been in this field for about eight months my first impression is before my first day. I did an orientation as an intern, and one of the like you know slides on what to wear, dress code, and what is suggested was do not wear any dangly earrings because they will basically get ripped out, probably, most likely. And that was like, whoa, what am I getting myself <laughs> into? I don't even know. Because I didn't know anything about autism. I didn't know anything about ABA. I didn't know anything about behaviors. I just was like, oh, I want to do this. Wide-eyed and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. So... That was huge for me. I was like, what am I doing? But after that, my first day, I did get to see um, some kiddos. It was their first day as well. And there was a lot of crying and sadness. And, you know, your first instinct is to, like, pick them up and comfort them and make them, you know, feel better. And whenever you're looking at escape behaviors or attention, it, it can be difficult. But it's something that whenever you see, you know, behaviors decreasing, it's all worth it. So... That's you know, I know which kids you're talking about because you saw them on your first day, but you also saw them on their last day. What did that look like? That was incredible because I saw this child walk in that pretty much they, they could say things. They just wouldn't say things. And the family was so distraught and they were um, really hopeless, not knowing what to do with their child, how to work with them, how to you know get them to talk and communicate with them. And so on their last day, they will tell you everything about every you know planet and science is their favorite subject. And they transitioned away from us because he was ready and he was socially developmentally appropriate. He had all this language. Didn't he didn't have need any behaviors. Yeah, and it was so incredible to see just in a short time frame, maybe two years, you know, how far he came. So that was awesome. Also, if you're not an RBT and you're listening to this and you're thinking about it, not wearing dangly earrings is really good advice. <laughs> yes. So my first day, I also got the same training, and I thought, that's weird. I don't wear dangly earrings anyways, (laughs) but good to know. Um, My first day was interesting because I distinctly remember that I had two clients, and the first one was nonverbal, and they were like, oh, pair with him. He loves Elmo videos. So I watched every single Elmo video on YouTube probably 40 times, and it was fine. And then that afternoon, (laughs) I... The afternoon was the part I remember the most, but I had a kid that literally, like, came up to my kneecaps and was, like, super cute and small, and I was like, oh, it's going to be fine, and I remember him climbing on top of the therapy table and, like, trying to punch through the window, and it was, like, I was, like, four hours into being a therapist, and I was thinking, now I look back and I'm like, when they tell you autism looks different on everybody like that is the prime example of yeah. it is You're like not you never be know the same kid twice yeah. but i mean that's part of it too though um you said you were watching elmo videos if you're thinking about being rbt that is definitely going to be a part of it when it comes to you know finding out what the kid loves and making it available to them um and you're gonna if they love elmo you're gonna love elmo if they love thomas the train you're gonna love thomas the train you should embody elmo be him in real life (laughs) do you think we could name all the thomas the train trains probably percy thomas james 
Catherine. Gordon. Duncan. Nicole's clearly only eight months in. That's pretty <laughs> that's pretty impressive. Thomas the train. <laughs> there you go. But that's definitely a huge, huge part of it. So for my first day, I was helping out. At that point, we y'all had like an early intervention clinic going on, and I was like brought into like different classrooms and just kind of helping out with the kiddos with doing like worksheets. And like sometimes you would just have to completely like hand over hand help the kid. And I'm like, you want me to touch the kiddo's like hand and help them do this? And they're like, yes, that is okay. That is actually encouraged as opposed to in other settings where it's like you give it to them, they either do it or they don't. Got to prompt him. Got to teach him. Listening to that story also, I forgot to add this. I remember like right before we closed on my very first day, it was like 530 a kid that wasn't my client ran up to me in the hallway and gave me a gummy bear and I was like oh for me and I was like trying to be cute and I ate it and like two seconds later the therapist was like he pulled that out of the garbage and I was like yeah that's about right that was great trying to pair with him (laughs) that's commitment my stomach thanked me for that Oh, what about stories like that do you guys have any just you know the really funny stories because they happen in this field you're never going to have the same day twice it's always really exciting. It has an ups and downs, but there's definitely some good times out there. So one time I had a kiddo who was playing with blocks, and they're the letter blocks, and he had just, like, lined them up, and then he stood up, threw his arms out to the side, and he goes, it's Spanish. <laughs> it said absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm probably very patient. Like, as far as my patience tolerance goes, I can deal with almost anything. But there are two stories that I've been so close to losing it, just, like, in my brain. So there was one time I went and got an iced coffee at McDonald's, and I was so excited about it. But I was like, I'm going to wait because I'm leaving early today. So I put it on a ledge in my house, like, where I work. And one of my kids started having behaviors and then they just took it and they chucked it. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And it <laughs> fell and I had to it was obviously attention seeking, so I had to like keep a straight face, but I almost shed a tear in that moment. <laughs> that's eight dollars wasted on the floor. <laughs> and then my second time, this may not be as funny or like as frustrating, but to me it was. I was trying to contrive a new ball game so one of our kids has a target for playing a ball game for 10 minutes and it gets kind of boring over time so you try to get creative with it and so I was like oh let's do wall ball and so I brought them in to one of the houses I was like this is how you do it you throw it against the wall and it comes back at you and they just took it and they chucked it and it went to the back oh no so there's a ball in the back (laughs) but I was like okay we're done (laughs) that is in fact not how you play I was like cool and now the ball is gone (laughs) okay so I was working in a room with another therapist and my client was good he was just doing his thing we were working um, and the client next to us with the therapist was having some behaviors some aggression and all of a sudden I hear eyes and he poked her in the eyes and I was like you gotta love him for just letting you know what was about to happen (laughs) like as horrible it was as it was I was like it's just it sticks out in my brain so I was like he told you he told you exactly what he was gonna do brutal honesty exactly this story is a little bit gross but it's one that just always sticks out in my mind I was working with a little boy 
when I was a tech, and he had drank a strawberry milkshake. And I guess it just like didn't sit well with his stomach. And I was sitting directly across from him. I don't even remember what you we were working on. And he basically threw up all over my shirt and my pants, just projectile. I don't do well with vomit. I mean, I can handle almost anything else. Like, I have a really, really high tolerance level when it comes to just, you know, things that come up with kids. But vomit and the smell, you guys, I threw up on him. (laughs) It was was the worst. Spoiler alert. If you're an RBT, you will probably have every bodily fluid on you at some point in time. Uh, Pro tip. Always have a change of clothes in your car. Mm. Always. Oh, okay. So those are like the funny things that stand out. You know, there's probably a million, million stories that we could sit here and tell. But like a typical day, I realize that it's hard to have a typical day, but just yeah. to give people an idea, you know, of what RBTs even do. I would say there's four main parts of the RBT role there's skill acquisition, where you're teaching kids new skills, um, whether that's, again, receptive language, imitation, communication, um, stuff like that. Um, there's behavior reduction where you're reducing those challenging behaviors and the, the RBTs are implementing those behavior plans that the BCBAs make for them. Um, there's interacting with caregivers. Um, you're talking to the families. You're telling them how the child's day is going. You're telling them about their progress and what you're seeing with them. And then there's also we do social skills a lot where you're working with groups of children and working on developing those social skills um, and having them interact with each other. And, of course, there's the favorite word in ABA. You're taking all of the data. Um, that's Always. a huge part of it is that everything that the child is doing, every goal that you're implementing, you're, you know, marking, did they get it correct? Did they need help? What kind of help did they need? What level of prompt did they need? Um, and same with behavior. How long did the behavior last? What happened before? What happened during? What happened, happened afterwards? Um, so I would say that's a huge part of it is just data collection and documentation as well. I know a lot of clinics across um, the U.S. do it differently. You can do it on paper. Um, or there's a lot of systems out there now where RBTs are able to take that information down on an iPad or a cell phone and things like that, which really helps streamline the whole process. So another great thing about being an RBT is that you really aren't doing it just on your own. You have a lot of support systems, whether it be the BCBA or the BCABA, um, and they just will come in and they'll let you know that you're doing things great. And they're super encouraging, being like, you're doing that really good, um, and then maybe try this a little differently. And just all the people that we have in leadership are very encouraging and we're all just a team like we want our kids to succeed so if anyone says like oh maybe you should try this differently you never take it personally you just know like this is going to make our child succeed better and um you know that at the end of the day that's what an rbt is doing that's mm -hmm. what the whole team an ABA clinical team is doing is just helping each child with autism succeed. Of course, we know you can do other things with ABA, but in this context, it's just helping each individual child reach their goals, which is super, super, you know, I think it's a fulfilling job, um, but it's also a really hard job if, you know, you are dealing with a lot of behaviors. Um, it's really common to be an RBT and come home with scratches um, or you had your hair pulled that day. Like I said, you can be vomited on. Um, you know, maybe you're dealing with fecal play. I mean, sometimes even like getting kicked and hit and bit even um, just to help 
you know, push through those behaviors and help the child succeed. But how do you guys deal with burnout? Because in this field, burnout is so high. I mean, understandably so. I personally like a bubble bath and a glass of wine at the end of the day. Same. Just to calm down. I also just rely on my friends and my family a lot. And a lot of those friends I've made in the field. So the other therapists, whenever I was an RBT, the other therapists were huge for me because you all can relate on this level. Like, hey, I had a really rough day today. And they're like, yeah, I had, you know, that kind of rough day last week. And that's okay. And that you can get through it together. And you also find a lot this field in general um there's a lot of young people that are around the same age there's a lot of women there are some men there's more men this is great um but you have a lot of commonalities just in general because you're around the same age group and you have things in common outside of here but a lot of times just supporting each other with that role is really helpful I know we were talking earlier how we all kind of fell into this field, and pretty much everyone I've ever met started out wanting to be in that helping profession. So you'll find a lot of those coworkers that they are going to help you, they're going to build you up and help you get through it because no one else is going to get it. I would go home and tell my boyfriend about my day, and he'd be like, What happened? You did what? And just they don't get it, they don't get it at all. I think going off of that, I don't know if this is random, but I always feel so awkward telling people about what I do because I always get that, like, oh, wow, I could never, like, that is so amazing. You're such a a special person. It takes a special person to do that. No, it doesn't. No, (laughs) it really doesn't. It's, like, so different because I would have never thought I'd be the type of person that would be cool with that. But I think the second you realize it's bigger than yourself, you're like, I'm doing it. I got to do this. This is great. This this makes change. And so. What about when you tell people what you do? I always go, oh, you're a speech therapist? Uh, Oh, you're a teacher? A therapist. Oh, an occupational therapist? You do that OT? So do you listen to their problems? Do they talk to you? Do they just sit down and talk to you about (laughs) problems? I've gotten that Um, Not exactly. (laughs) I always get like, oh, I know so-and-so with autism, or I have a relative that has autism. They don't even care about ABA and like, oh, what is that? It's like, oh, well, I know this person. He has autism, too. It's like, yeah, my mom's best friend, Betsy, from the hair salon, her cousin's sister's brother's kid might have autism. What do you suggest? Like, what? Oh, my favorite is when they have the suggestions. Mm. Oh, you work with kids with autism? Well, I know so-and-so, and they got some moonstones, and then his autism went away. Like, oh, I think that might have been 40 hours of ABA, but thank you, thank you. And also, his <laughs> autism did not go away. No. <laughs> That's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. So with all of those challenges of being an RBT, what made you guys want to stay in the field and keep going? What keeps, you know, the fire alive? For me, like I said earlier, it's just seeing the progress. Like you really get to see, you know, really small goals being met, but also really, really huge long-term goals being met. And not just with the client and the child, but with their family too. Whenever you can make such a big difference in, you know, a whole family's kind of world is so fulfilling and it makes it all worth it i totally agree with like what jaylen said and a lot of reasons that individuals like stay in the field is just because of like the difference that we can make in the lives of the kids that we work with and sometimes like you even feel the achievement of like we've worked on this goal for six months but now 
they got it and they're not going to lose it like this skill is ingrained in them they have it and it's super functional like they used to not having a way to be able to ask for their favorite item but now they're able to walk up to you and be able to get those needs met i know it's cheesy and people say this all the time and if someone else was saying this i'd probably roll my eyes but sometimes i really do feel like the kids teach us more than we teach them I think since I've entered this field, I had never worked with a child with autism before my internship, but I have learned to be, just be yourself. Like, why does it matter what everybody else thinks about you? I've learned to say what's on my mind and just be blunt and honest, probably not as blunt and honest as some of our friends that are in social skills. They've made me cry once or twice over my outfit. It's fine. (laughs) And just to be, you know, so loving and genuine. And I just think that's something that is a misconception with autism, but that I've taken away from the field and they've given me so much and I want to give that back to them. Yeah. They've definitely taught me to celebrate all the successes you have. No matter how small, you should always celebrate your success because a lot of times in ABA, in discrete trials, we're breaking things down very, very small and we're teaching things one at a time. And so I feel like that is one thing that they've taught me is just being patient and to celebrate things, even if no matter how small you feel like it is. I think too, we do on Mondays, we do a motivational Monday. And one of the favorite quotes I came across was it's about the moments and not the milestones. And I think that's true because a lot of people, you could be like, oh, is he said Apple yet? And you're like, no, but let me tell you about the time he said, ah, like just that simple sound, like eight months down the road, you finally get that out of them. And it's like, here's all the gummy worms you want. Here's all the high fives. Here's. So I think I agree with that point. It's more of like celebrating every little thing versus waiting for that big like aha moment to celebrate the kids. Also, and to never give up. Our kids never give up. There are kids, and you know, it takes them a really long time to be able to get their first full sentence out, but they never quit. They never stop. And you know, it may take them a little more time to achieve their goals, but they always get there. So, going back to my very first day, the child that I had worked with, this is about eight months ago. And three weeks ago, they learned how to say my name, and they've been saying it constantly. They look at me, and they're like, Nicole, Nicole. And, like, the first time I heard that was amazing. And then also recently, the same child might be going to school. And I just, like, once I heard that, I had all those flashbacks to that very first day. And I remember thinking, like, will this child ever be able to get to go to school? Will they have that opportunity? And so just eight months later, seeing that, it's just like clicks. And it's all worth it from there. So if you're listening to this and you are an RBT, we just want to say way to go. And we appreciate every single thing that you do. You're making such a difference in the lives of individuals with autism and maybe special needs. And if you're thinking about becoming an RBT, I say if you have patience and you want to make a difference, go for it. This field is really, really hard, but the rewards outweigh the hard days because you're making such a difference in the lives of others. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you guys for joining us today. And join us next week on A Piece of Hope podcast. Bye. 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 (laughs) Thanks for listening to A Piece of Hope podcast. To learn more about Piece of Hope or to donate to A Piece of Hope scholarship fund, visit appleseasaba.com forward slash piece of hope. Join us next week for more stories, conversations, and advice from the autism community for the autism community.